Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Create or Die. It's your host, Ike Allred, and we're coming at you with uh, episode number six zero. That's right, 60. We're cruising right on through season number two, uh, eight episodes in. Can you believe it? And you'll never guess, but we brought back one of our most frequent guests on the program, Mr. Trevor Williams animator creative extraordinaire so let's go get it shall we yeah like i said we've got us another awesome episode my boy trevor williams is on the program now he's got some uh serious knowledge nuggage like a three-pack Okay, but these are these are not just knowledge nugs. These are strips, you know, fine chicken nug type strips of knowledge. All right, now uh, I know that uh, metaphor, analogy, whatever the correct term is, is uh, starting to fall apart at this point. So I apologize, <laughs> but it's going to be good. Now Trevor moved to the uh, the island of Britain back uh, a couple years ago, a little over two years ago, and he's got some learnings to share with us as an expat, someone who's gone overseas and tried to make a living. And how has he been able to navigate that as a contractor, essentially, you know, doing freelance. You know, he had MX as a, as a big client, which helped, um, but you know, still had to develop new relationships and, and navigate a lot of what goes on over there uh, living outside of the country, you know. Just start to think about what are some of the challenges that that might entail. And while you're thinking about that, I've got a little bit of a, a PSA for you, okay? So this is important, especially with uh, holidays coming up. You know, we just had Thanksgiving here in the States yesterday. It was was most most delicious indeed. Um, so I hope you all enjoyed that. But I'll tell you, over the past week or two, you know, our, our big TV in our living room, okay, was starting to dim on me in certain spots. Like I'd be watching football and it would cut to a scene and I'd notice it would quickly darken. Um, and I thought, okay, well, maybe that's something on, you know, their end. Uh, you know, the broadcaster is doing something or whatever because it was just here and there. So I didn't let it bother me. But then uh, this morning I was watching episode four, Star Wars, A New Hope. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a good one. And you know, just constantly dimming, dimming, you know, especially during, during like, you know, lightsaber, uh, fights or, or, you know, stormtrooper blasts of their blasters. And I was going crazy. I'm like, no, please. I've had this for two and a half years or whatever. Don't tell me the backlight is already starting to go out on me. You know, this is uh, a pricey, investment if you will and 
People may argue that a TV is not an investment, but I, on the other hand, would say it is for what I do because, you know, content creation, motion design, inspiration cometh from the TV, <laughs> right? Um, and so storytelling, the list goes on and on. Advertising, it's all, all important stuff in my book. Um, but yeah, so I'm like, am I going to seriously have to return this thing? And, and it's, it's massive. It's a 86 incher and, uh, it wasn't fun getting up on the wall and I certainly don't want to have to bring it off the wall. You know, I think we have a, a warranty on it. We bought the extended warranty through, uh, Costco, but you know, it's the holidays. You don't want to be messing with something like that. So, you know, I was going through the settings of the Samsung settings on the TV. Everything looked good. I was hoping it was a software issue. Um, made sure it was updated. Looking on the Apple TV settings as well. Like, you know, maybe it's the Dolby picture or whatever. Um, so I tried lower settings and would continue to watch those same scenes. And so that gave me a little hope that it was happening in the same places, but I wasn't, I wasn't finding the solution. Um, and, and I thought, well, maybe it is a hardware thing. And when it, when there's a bright thing, image on the scene, it has to dim down because the, the backlight is, you know, starting to go out and it's tiring or something. I don't know. You project your own emotions on these electronics. Um, but then going in and out of the, the settings within Apple, I decided accessibility. Let's see what's in there. I've tried everything in the, in the video settings. Um, and then there was a setting inside of accessibility on under display or screen. I forget what they called it, but it was set to on, you know, dim, like bright sequences or something D dim flashes it was some setting like that turn that bad boy off boom fixed so freaking apple thought that you know we're gonna be safe and push an update for this new epilepsy protection thing or whatever which hey i don't have it thankfully our family is free of that and i can imagine if someone did struggle with with those kinds of things and it would be a good thing but it scared the crap out of me and it's probably gonna result in people trashing their TVs and getting a new one or unnecessary returns or whatever so a little public service announcement out there if you're using an Apple TV that's connected to you know like your Samsung flat screen or whatever and it starts to do that check that setting because that's probably what it is so I'm just looking out for you and I expect you to do the same for me y'all come across something like that put it in the comments let me know we'll all get through this together right as my my good friend Canadian friend from up north red green would always say if women don't find you handsome they should at least find you handy right <laughs> Uh, that's uh, words to live by, for sure, for sure. Us uh, non-handsome fellas hold on tight to that with uh, 
couple rolls of duct tape. Well, I've talked too much. Thank you for indulging me. Let's uh, let's get into this. Let's let's talk to my boy Trevor. All right, Trevor. Another another day, another episode of the pod. Thanks for coming on. I'm so happy to be here. And you set a milestone uh, episode, so that's great. Yeah, yeah, Can't it's episode on. number sixty. So yeah. you're, you're coming coming on the program at the right times because everybody everybody loves the duo, the Trevor and Ike duo. As you're I. generous. You're generous to have me, and so I'm happy to be here. So. No, I love it. Thanks for taking the time. And so, you know, we, in our prep for this call, you know, did some run-throughs because we're professionals like that, right? (laughs) And it wasn't just that I forgot to hit record. Um, We, you were kind of queuing us up on something that you wanted to talk about, something that's unique to you. Can you tell me a little bit more about what, what that is? Yeah, so... I thought we would just talk about some of the experiences and lessons I've learned from living abroad. And if anyone ever had the crazy idea of taking an adventure across the seas in another country or even closer to home, all the same, just leaving the States and going somewhere else, what are some of the uh, challenges and hurdles and walls you have to break through to, to make it happen and to, you know, live a happy adventure. So, um, I'm sure there's people that have done it before and have their opinions that they may want to comment about, but at the same time, uh, maybe there's somebody considering it and this could be helpful to them. So just have a few ideas, um, that I've collected over my, uh, two years and a little bit, uh, living abroad and some of the some of the things, some of the regrets, you know, and other things that I'll bring up that I think could help someone if they ever prepared to do the same crazy thing, pack up, leave everything, sell everything and move to another country and start over for a little bit only to maybe have to return later or anything like that. So, uh, yeah. but it's fun. So I thought that that'd be a fun and handy thing to talk about. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, you know, your experience and uh, should be super valuable to our viewers or listeners, and um, you know, and you'll help us kind of avoid some of those gotchas and navigate the craziness that that could be a big, uh, big move. And as the world gets smaller with technology and and everything, I you know, I would imagine as time goes on, people will have the flexibility to take an adventure like that. And, um, and before we go too far along, remind me what, uh, well, I mean, I know, but let's let the audience know. Yeah. Why is it that you moved to England? What, what brought you out there? Right. So we moved out here because my wife uh, wanted to pursue a PhD at Oxford and got accepted and was able to get a visa and have all of the family as dependents upon that. And so we, we moved my whole family out here <laughs> and, and we're so cool. living her because it's been a dream of hers. And so we're just living her dream and supporting her through that. And it's been, it's been a true adventure and it's been rewarding and fun. It's been difficult and challenging and it's been, um, all of those things. So yeah. we've honestly, it, it is a fun thing to do. I would recommend it 
I certainly would recommend it, but uh, at the same time, it, it comes with a lot of sacrifice and change and, and development and everything. So, but what doesn't, right? But like you said, yeah. it's, I don't think many people would have in the past, but it might be more of a normal thing now because I mean, more and more times I'm seeing more and more companies able to just be able to work with people abroad, whether they're contractors, yeah. whether I've seen people that are able to also, you know, um, still be employed. I don't know how all the time, but uh, you know, mm. overseas through their company and, mm. and some of the structure that they set up because, you know, the UK and, and the US are, are allies at least. So there's that Friendly. <laughs> it, yeah. makes it makes it easy. So, yeah. Somehow we got over that little skirmish that we had in the late 1700s. Yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> we, we yeah. nursed our wounds and now we're happy with each other again. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, awesome. Um, so I'm excited to get into this and, and learn from you. How, how should we roll? Yeah. So, um, before I get too into some of the, the points I've listed for myself and for everyone, I just want to know if you were to try to do this, uh, what are some of the, I, you know, how do you feel like you would get started? Because this could be good for anybody that's even thinking about this I, from an outsider that's hasn't experienced this. Where do you think you would start? How do you think you would start? What are some of the um, initial steps? Let's just think of like the initial five steps or things you would do just to even prepare to, to, to relocate to another country. So yeah, so that's a great question about, uh, you know, if I were to move overseas or out of the country, you know, what would I go about doing? I mean, I think initially I want to make sure that I'm moving to a place that is friendly, you know, not the best time to be moving to a Ukraine or an Israel right now with the conflicts going on there. Um, there's different places in the world that aren't, you know, necessarily friendly to uh, women. And so that might be a, a downer for my wife or <laughs> whatever. So there's that to consider. And then I, I've not too recently, I guess a few years ago, kind of clicked to me finally and watching British shows that not every other country is open borders. I mean, uh, I guess, you know, being a, an American, we hear about what's going on here all the time. And it's like, oh, we got to shut down the borders and, and then all of those things. And so suffice it to say, I guess not every country is just waiting for Americans to want to move in there. They're happy right. with what they got going on. So I guess I would try to consider like, okay, how do I get there? Can I just book a plane ticket for the, the family and you know, maybe I'm not hauling all my stuff over there. We're starting anew, but no, from what I've learned and from your experience, it requires specific visas. Um, otherwise yeah. you can get banned from the country forever or put in jail or whatever. So we, we don't need any of that. And then some of the other things to consider, I guess would be, you know, how am I going to provide for myself? I'm not in, independently wealthy yet. Um, and, <laughs> um, yeah. right. And so, you know, is there a, a 
company that can sponsor me, the place I'm going to go work for, or am I working for my current employer and they've allowed me to work from wherever. Um, and then I guess a couple of the other things I'd consider is, you know, where am I going to live? You've got to provide for the necessities of life, shelter, you know, how do we navigate that? Do, you know, if I have a visa and everything, am I good to go? Or uh, is there only certain parts of towns that they let Americans live? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Uh, all good questions, all good points, all good things to kind of start this conversation. Um, yeah, first, obviously, you have to either have a visa or a, a right to, to be there for an extended length of time because I think you can only be in the country up to 90 days otherwise. Mm. So after that, it's like you have to return um, one way or another. So, um, but if you have a visa for a certain amount of, of a period of time, years, um, you go through that. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, companies can sponsor you or colleges can sponsor you or um, a myriad of, of ways you can get into uh, getting a visa set up and being able to enter a country and go through that process and get a residency permit. That would be like the next step. Like even though you have a visa, I had to eventually get a residency permit that um, I didn't know that when border control always wants that, not just your passport, but also oh, really? your residency permit. Oh, and wow. it was it was one of these times, there was one time we, we, we just crossed the channel, went over to like Paris yeah. and we came back and we had, we had them with us, yeah. but we didn't, when the border control asked for our passports, of course, just ask for your passports and then yeah. goes through the process and then stops you and halts you and says, look, well, why are you entering the country? How, why, why don't you have, um, why don't you have a departure date? That's specific, like every country usually will say like, when are you going to leave the country? Oh, okay. Because they want to know. And uh, so if they don't know, and you haven't told them, and you, we, I, often I would think and assume, well, it's probably all in the, your system once you've pulled up my passport. It's yeah. not always all in their system. Okay. So you can't always assume, and that's one reason. And uh, we learned the fun way where it's like, oh, you just don't, like if you just give us a passport, we just think you're a tourist versus yeah. a resident. So you have to like, if you're a resident for a certain amount of time, also have your residency permit, which is just little pieces time. that come along yeah. the way. Yeah. yeah. And so you mentioned as well, like of course, finding a house and all these other things. Yes. Um, one thing that was handy for us is we were able to do a little house hunting before we arrived, which I would definitely recommend. Um, and there's agencies that usually are third parties between the landlord and of course you as a tenant that would be an intermediary to do correspondence and, and figure all of those logistics out. These agencies often will give you, if you can't fly over and be there in person or anything like that, they will give you a video tour of, of the locations and, and give you all the details and history and, and damage or anything else that you might need to know, similar to like a vehicle and, um, and go from there. So, um, that's how we did it. We, we would look and house hunt a little bit online first. Um, and then 
through this agency, start this correspondence, view the house, and then start getting into the contractual agreements and, and then and then start saying, okay, you've signed it, we're all good, go ahead, start paying in the rent and get going, right? Yeah. But then they also will stop you and uh, verify your right to rent in the UK, which is another thing. Like, so I wouldn't recommend doing it too early mm. because you kind of have to prove with some of your visa and some other documentation that you have the right to be there and then and then rent. So as, as long the as the landlords like within, can get in trouble if they're renting to you and they shouldn't be, right? It, it, ultimately, yes, but they give a, they have a window of time. I oh. mean, they'll happily take your money and they'll <laughs> happily, uh, you know, just be like, yeah, get going. And they, like yeah. sometimes the landlords just leave it to these agencies and, and things like that to, to kind of handle those logistics. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's just one of those situations. But even then, you know, the landlord covers, of course, certain things, but you'll still have to pay for at least here it's it's like you know in the states you pay for like your utilities and you pay like state tax um to help with the roads and those things like that uh same thing here as much as there's kind of like some of your utilities and or state tax is called council tax hmm. and those are things you have to be ready to to pay for um so you're going to have to definitely research a little bit before you come. And even though you may research, there's still going to be things that pop up that you just don't know. And, and so I've kind of narrowed down a little bit of a list of a few ideas, the main essentials. I don't want to get into too much of the weeds because we could talk forever about <laughs> sure. the things that I have made, the mistakes I have made over the past two years. Yeah. But that's one thing to also be ready for is you're going to make so many mistakes and yet you still can make it happen and you can still get by and still <laughs> and still do it all. Um, so uh, speaking of the council tax, uh, we didn't know that and they don't necessarily broadcast it, but you can yeah. if you are a student, which my wife is, you can apply to have reduced council tax, which is almost like by half. Wow. So first year I paid, I paid, paid the full much. council tax yeah. when I could have been, yeah, when I could have been paying half. And so it's those things that it's like, oh, and if you just do enough digging, you'll find, yeah. you know, it's like, all it takes is just a tiny bit of digging. One of the things, so you're going to get used to, um, I would suggest that uh, there's a, there's always a government website. I think anywhere you go. So get onto those government websites and read up on some of the things you need to do. We moved during uh, the, the tail end of COVID, yeah. but there was still a lot of shutdown and there was still a lot of uh, restrictions in place and things like that. And I had to quarantine um, for a while, even when I was here setting up the house and things like that. And it wasn't easy. Um, and I set up, so one thing you're also going to need to do is set up a bank account. Yeah. And I set up a bank account in the States that uh, could work as a foreign bank account, but 
they don't hold on to that information. Like, even though I set it all up on the phone and I kind of put on, put down a date when I would go and I would accept, uh, I would go and open the account when I could. Yeah. They, uh, they mailed all the stuff over there and it had been sitting there so long because I had to quarantine for a bit and I had already done it a few weeks prior to, to arriving. They put my, essentially my application, my bank application in the pile to get shredded and recycled. Um, <laughs> and so when I finally knocked, when I finally could go to the actual location in the, uh, and, and open the account, they were like, who are you? And I said, okay, I, I was, here's, here's all the information I had as far as yeah. the stuff I said on over the phone and over the internet, you know, setting up the account, but they, they said, okay, well, let me look again. And then they, they decided to go look in the discard pile and they found me there and they said, oh, Mr. Williams, you're so lucky. We were two days, two days away from shredding this <laughs> for good. And I was like, oh my goodness. So um, if you're going to do that, I think definitely do it. Uh, you won't necessarily have to do it under the same restrictions like I did, I would imagine. So yeah, hopefully there's not another pandemic that we have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, I was very lucky to, to, to avoid that problem. But it, even then, we you just deal with it, right? So, <clears throat> but before, one thing that I had with that as well is that um, most everything that I ever set up or did um, essentially had a problem or would break. And one thing that I found time and time again was it would have been great if I had set up a Google, uh, so there's, I, I, do they call it Google Voice or something like that? Google Phone. It you can set up a Google Phone number. Yeah. That is just it's it's like an an additional number that you can have that you can have on your phone under an application under Google Voice or Google Phone. That I think is critical because yeah. you're not necessarily going to come over and always have a phone number from the States because you don't necessarily have a landline in the States or a phone number. You're not, most people, especially for a big length of time are not going to be paying some provider that for a service that they're never going to use while they're abroad. Yeah. And so, and so I don't, you know, my essentially a phone number I had in my, or my previous phone number that I had in the States is gone for good. Right. Right. And had I had a Google phone number, it would have solved a lot of problems and a lot of complications. Because and for so, applications and different things, they're like, okay, what's your phone yes. number? And and if you're like, well, I haven't. And for verifications, yeah. there's so many. Wow. Yeah, and to, like two, even two-step verifications two and step, things like yeah, that. Right, right. Um, when you have like, I was starting to get shut out of. Um, even some of my Google accounts and I had to basically be back in the States to get those to work, <laughs> you know? And, and, and I luckily, what was funny was I had a trip back to the States right around the time that that was a shutdown and a problem for me. Yeah. So it became very um, advantageous that I was there, but yeah, set up, 
The number one thing I would say for sure is before you leave the country, it's so easy, it's free, you don't have to do anything, you just you just choose one. Just choose and get yourself a Google phone number and yeah. keep that and that's yours. Is That's connected to your Google account forever, okay? And with that, most other places, they... Um, one thing that's kind of global, I don't know how many people know this, but WhatsApp. WhatsApp is very global. There's there's other ways you can communicate too through like Voxer or Telegram or some of these other places. But I would say WhatsApp. Seems to be the most widely encrypted. adopted and everything, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. And, and that way too, like it, I would say with that, I'm just kind of bundling everything into the phone because your phone essentially is yeah. essential. Like how many people live without their phone? I don't know. Yeah. So number one thing, set up your phone, set up your, and with that, you can, I, I went through GIFGAF and that's just a phone provider over here. But what's nice is they can, you can just order these, um, you can even have a SIM card delivered to the States. Uh, so you can already have your British phone number set up in the States. Oh, that's nice. So that's really great. And um, you just, then when you put that SIM card in and you're in the, in the UK, you're, you're set to go. And it's great. And not only that, GIFGAF has been essentially one of the best providers I've had. I haven't had any problems in the UK. They're the you know, bandwidth and the broadband or whatever you want to call it has been great everywhere except Northern Wales. It seems like it was a little <laughs> patchy, but other than that, other than that I, I, I haven't had any complaints with it. And they have things such as um, unlimited data, uh, right? For, for pretty cheap, you know, you're not spending a ton of, uh, you're spending like 30 pounds a month for unlimited right. data. And mm -hmm. The only reason I bring that up is when we were kind of surveying the area we wanted to live, we, I wanted fast internet, like lightning fast internet. And when you look online and the houses say, yeah, it, this place is eligible for this inter these internet speeds. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, we're definitely living in this area because some of the other areas I saw had lower quality speeds and I was like, ah, I really need higher speeds to download and upload large work files from, for yeah, work, yeah, yeah. right? And in the end, I get here and I start trying to set up that high-speed internet and they basically say, oh, I'm sorry, we can't set it up there. And I'm like, we, well, it said you could. And they said, no, there seems to be some problem with like these pipes or something around that area. And that's, a, that's basically a blacked out zone. I'm just like, oh, great. So even though they advertised it, it's not necessarily it's true. But what was nice was I was also able, while I set up a different service, which is slower, but it's been fine. I've managed um, my GIFGAF uh, hotspot, personal hotspot has been just phenomenal as well. It's like almost as comparable. And so it's been really nice to um, to have that. So this was the embarrassing part. Uh, unfortunately, my internet went down multiple times in the conversation with Trevor, 
and he was gracious enough to go ahead and record his final three points, kind of sum them up for us so that we had those, so that you had those, and uh, we can go from there. So appreciate you, Trevor, for doing that. Uh, let's go ahead and continue with Trevor solo. Okay, three quick things I just wanted to say as I was having my conversation with Ike. So just top three things when you're moving to another country was, as we discussed, set up the Google phone. I regret not doing this. Um, using WhatsApp, back it up, and just essentially have multiple ways to sign into every everything you have accounts to, uh, whether that's your email accounts, banks, even applications and subscription services and so forth. It even helps to, um, I would say, be willing to pay for a VPN, like NordVPN has been fantastic because there's times where I've needed to even um, have uh, myself appear as if I'm in the States to uh, take care of certain business myself um, across some of my subscriptions or applications. Um, so I would say having that has, has been key for helping this whole adventure take place. Another thing is you're, with WISE, um, formerly TransferWISE, that's been the best as far as transferring money from bank to bank. Uh, there are banks that do global money and money exchanges and things like that, but I've never seen a better way for me to do it painlessly fast. It takes only like five seconds to just kind of quickly say, okay, here's the amount to this account from this account and exchange the money and it's been great. So I would say set yourself up with WISE and use that to save a lot of money on exchanging from US to whatever currency you're in. And last, I would definitely say is a good one. Uh, you should adopt and adapt to the culture that you live in. Um, you should always be humble in that circumstance and always ask for help, learn, and uh, and ask for forgiveness because you'll make mistakes. But uh, just expect it and treat it as if you're in someone else's home and how you would want to be treated in your home. And you'll do well that way and be safe and happy. Um, you'll always feel like there's a constant weight just from multiple stresses with figuring out taxes, figuring out questions, having the government show you what else you are missing and that you need to do. And it's hard, you'll always feel like you're treading water and you're drowning and it's hard to keep your head above water, but it still will be rewarding, 100%. Um, I find that uh, it's one of the things I find most here is that people want to, from say the UK, who want to visit the US always want to do the same thing. It's travel route 66 or it's take a road trip. Um, perhaps something we in the States take for granted or could care less about. Whereas some of the things that they have around them here all the time with uh, their climate and their, their castles and their architecture and their history and so many sites, historical sites and things like that, uh, they could care less necessarily about seeing it or admiring it or enjoying it as much. But that's some of the reward that comes from uh, changing locations and then 
and being in a place that uh, you get to see new things every day. And that's the most rewarding thing is like every weekend you could go and see something new that you've never seen and it's the first time. And so it helps you, it motivates you, it keeps you going. And that's the biggest reward about all of it. But again, just to recap, um, Number one is just set up your accounts and your phone and those things because those are essential and best to also set it up with NordVPN so that you have ways to um, jump uh, to and from some of uh, the countries in that that you need back and forth when you need to appear to, to appear to do so. And then of course, uh, I think Wise is the best way to exchange money after you've set up a bank account and then adopt and adapt to the culture three simple things. Thank you. There you go. Trevor hooking us up with some uh, serious knowledge nugs for those of you, myself, maybe one day, who knows, gonna go and spend some time overseas, some extended amount of time. You know, make sure that uh, you have those accounts set up, that you've got your access to things like a phone. Get, get that Google Voice set up ASAP. So you'll have that way to do two-form authentication or a number to put on those applications for, for rent or whatever, as well as the, the VPN connection. So that, uh, you know, if, especially if you're working with companies back in the States, you're able to be treated as if you're, you're there. Um, I think there's some other benefits there as well but uh, important things to remember so that's number one number two is that you need to find a way to exchange that money you know not everyone uses the US dollar surprise surprise right <laughs> um, and if you've got the right bank account set up like Trevor said you're gonna you're gonna be able to convert that on the fly and be the better for it and then finally just immerse yourself into that new culture you know uh, be ready to kind of give and take to help out to ask for help to try new things take advantage of those amazing opportunities like castles on every corner <laughs> stonehenge in trevor's case i mean it's just some cool cool experiences i, I remember not too long after he first went out there, him sending some some video footage, some photos, or sharing it with being the team of him staying overnight in an old uh, church, like this gothic-looking, epic, sweet church, and you know, practice your acapella in there with the echoing sounds, and you're in there alone, just you and your family. So some unique kind of Airbnb type opportunities as well. So I hope you found this episode valuable. I hope that uh, you can kind of leverage the experience from my guests, in this case, my boy Trevor. And, you know, if you're going to step into the unknown, that you can do better, avoid some of those gotchas, and avoid the scars that come from making mistakes, like big ones. So that's it, my friends. Now get out there, create you some experiences, and just never, never stop creating. Okay? Keep on creating.
Until next time, create or die.